Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Work Wife Wine Time podcast, the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. You've got Makala here with you today and I'm really looking forward to connecting you with my special guest, Milka Perez, who is a sustainable living facilitator. So Milka, thank you so much for being here. It was a bit of a an event trying to get us both together in the same room to record this, but we got there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, it was, but we are here now, so let's enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. But before we get into that, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Oh, okay. That's very challenging because I feel like it's going to be a long <laughs> story, but I'm going to try to make it briefly. So I'm Chilean, so that means I was born in Chile. And I grew up in um, a family with a lot of women's entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, my mom. And also in a family very connected to planet Earth or Pachamama, as we call it in Latin America, or Gaia, you can call it too. And that was very, uh, I'm very grateful because I felt like I was born in the right family. <laughs> and and our, our traditions were always related to eating, growing our own food, eating, cooking our own food. And my grandmother was a farmer, but also she was a butcher. Oh. So yeah, a couple of times I, I, you know, saw some things that <laughs> as a child probably wouldn't uh, be very fantastic. But at least I understood a very early time where the food came from. Mm. And for us, it came from the backyard. So I uh, now that's I'm trying to replicate now with my kids. But anyway, so back into childhood. And then my mom, my mom also was an entrepreneur in a very difficult uh, patriarchal environment, which often are men. Mm -hmm. And my dad, no, my dad just followed what my mom said. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so I grew up with that, with entrepreneurial and the love for the planet or the environment uh, since since a very early age. And I did my first attempt of my own business um, at the age of 11, oh, wow. I think. And I cut her herbs, fresh herbs from the garden. Mm -hmm. And I pretend to do this, this uh, tea, you know, or we call tisanas or mm -hmm. herbal infusion. You know, and, the, and, and that day, I remember, we used to have on the supermarket just black tea and green tea and, that, and jasmine tea that it came from Asia, you know, and that was it. But at home, we used to drink herbs. And I thought, why no one have sell this, you know? Okay, so I made my table. I put different infusions at the front shop of my grandmother so mm -hmm. I could pick up the customers on their way. 
And yeah, so that's that's was my first try because for me it was like a game. The yeah. entrepreneurial thing was very pretty much like a game, you know, uh, going to the bank and and pay bills with my grandmother. She always she also had a, was the president of a co-op, cooperative. Mm-hmm. So I always go with her to the meetings and I reckon that was a, a big play big influences in my uh, who I am today. Mm-hmm. So then uh you know, finished secondary school. I was very clear what I want to study. I want to be a graphic designer. I went straight to that at 19. I finished the bachelor, for four years bachelor at 20-something, 20 21, and I started doing uh, internship before I finished my bachelor. Mm-hmm. So when I finished, I had already uh, experience, work experience. And at the same time, at university, the, the teachers asked me to be their assistants. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that too, parallel. I always do a lot of things parallel, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, when I finished uni, I went to straight to work in, a, in an agency in different cities. So I did live in Valparaiso and I went to Santiago, which is the capital, an hour away from my parents. Yeah. And that's that's it. My career went very, very quick. I started working in, in the agencies. Then I worked um, as a graphic designer, but in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. And that I will say is what is marked at, at the point of before and after of me as a designer in sustainability. Oh, okay. You know, because I, I love it, don't get me wrong, fashion is amazing, you know, the all the the work that is involved by researching trends and colors and textures and textiles and it is beautiful. And I was working in the uh children appear mm-hmm. field, so it was very interesting. The the mood, uh, the the visual, everything. But then happens that the workshops start closing down. Workshops mean that people work in the industry, mm-hmm. sewing. It was less, less, less and start disappearing. And my question was, what's going on? Yeah. So the answer was, well, we're sending the manufacturing overseas because yeah. it's cheaper. Okay, you know what I'm gonna say. You know where this is going. But now we know, you know. But 50 years ago, that was a taboo. No one asked, "What the hell? Why is so cheap to send it to the other side of the world? Mm. Come back, and you can still make him 400 profit on top of that price." Yeah, we just got excited about clothing becoming cheaper oh, instead of what was involved what's going in on. It. So that's when I started making questions and I become to block about eco-design. Mm-hmm. So in those days, we call eco-design. No, now you call sustainable design or regenerative design or who knows tomorrow, what's the name going to come? But so as an eco-designer, I start um researching and trying to find independent designers mm-hmm. in different areas that work with sustainable materials. Mm-hmm. And that was my blog about. And my interest 
in the fashion is I I tried to do my best, you know. So I use design, printing design, saying, for instance, save the polar bear, you yeah. know, in the kids, <laughs> in the kids' jumpers. But it wasn't enough, you know. I know what something was really, really wrong behind the scenes. And uh, because uh, because of the methodology I was using, uh, using that methodology, it was what I was writing about also in, in my blog. Mm -hmm. And that methodology is called cool hunting, which is a, a North American methodology to use marketing and identify patterns. Mm -hmm. And with those patterns, then you can create a trend and then you tell the people this is what you need <laughs> and the people will say yes that's what we need and everybody buy that dress or everybody buy that shoes you know uh, anyway so I was very very disappointed in general with with the system behind of the fashion of the beauty of the fashion mm -hmm. and then I got headhunt by a, an agency that they found my profile very interesting because the methodologies that I was talking about and my interest in the eco design, mm -hmm. like who are the people that actually are aware and they are designing stuff that are not harming the planet and the people. So from there, I did a big jump to innovation mm -hmm. and I did work in a, an amazing team of another five women's uh designing a game but a game for the government oh yeah so it was an area of innovation in the chilean government yeah so salary you know i went say for instance i went from at the age of 25 from 300 a week say in fashion mm -hmm. to the triple you know as uh, design in uh, designer in innovation yeah so at 27 I was like oh my gosh this is fantastic <laughs> made it you know <laughs> I made it the top of my career a single with good good salary traveling you know and well that job actually we had uh, some work with the UK government so have English was become more and more for me to have it as a skill become more necessary. Mm -hmm. So I did, but it wasn't that good or it wasn't fluent, which means reading, writing, listening. And your brain start thinking in different language. Yeah. So you don't have to translate anymore. Yeah. So I said, okay, I was 29 and I said, okay, that's it. I want to take a year off and and per come and well i decided to come to australia and and do some studies of academic english and another design things that i could find and and have fun mm -hmm. and that was it that was how i got to brisbane and then melbourne and melbourne i found uh, work as a graphic designer and then work at as a volunteer at Red Cross mm -hmm. and then from Red Cross I went to Red Cross manager <laughs> where working in the op shops for me was fantastic you know 12 years ago in Chile 
was no op shops. They didn't exist, the op shop. What we had were secondhand clothes coming from America, mm-hmm. but but clothes like Levi's, Calvin Klein brands, you know? Yeah. No, no the concept of op shops that we have in Australia. So for me, it was fantastic because it was good for people, good for the planet. You know, we we raising money to help uh, people in need. Uh, we're keeping clothes circulate, circulate object and, and whatever we're keeping on, on, on the go. And that was very, very good. And I love it. And then I got pregnant of my first one. So I took the first year off, but also we moved from different states. Mm-hmm. And we moved to a rural area, so that was hard to for me to get relocated in urban, mm-hmm. which was Melbourne. And then, yeah, I started just uh, looking for different pathways. And motherhood was my challenge at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think much about the environment in that way. Yeah. You know, the only thing I thought, you know, was the nappies. And sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then I I become part of the women uh, entrepreneurs in Gippsland and the creative women's circles in Melbourne. So I'm mean, sorry, keep doing keep doing my own little uh, side project. Yeah. So I did a very good project over there relating to holistic well-being. Mm-hmm. And then and then what happened? Ah, yes, there. I did that for two years, then we move again, we travel, and then we're here in Tasmania since 2020, which is another um, state of my life and also career development. Mm-hmm. So because I was almost four four years out of the academic or the academia and out of um, to update my vocabulary and what's going on in eco-design or sustainability, I had the chance to do this um, diploma in sustainable sustainable living mm-hmm. in, in Utah that was during COVID. Mm-hmm. So lockdown for me was study full-time, basically. So it was probably great timing. Absolutely. You couldn't do anything it else. couldn't do it though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that helped me to definitely update uh, what, I'm, what I'm telling you, uh, methodologies, uh, new rules, new policies, how, how the governments are managing the, the challenges, data, a lot of data, mm-hmm. and, and project. So I started doing project case of studies, but actually using them with my community, mm-hmm. using them with friends, using them with uh, small businesses. And that's how organically the last two years I've been working with small businesses, private, non-profit, and the government, the local, the local council. Fantastic. Long story, sorry I told you. No, no, no. it was interesting. I found it funny how, like, you landed in Brisbane, in Queensland, and then you kind of worked your way down to Victoria Uh, and then down to Tasmania. Well, three states. I I went first Brisbane, Queensland, then Melbourne, Victoria, then WA, Perth, and now Tasmania. Fantastic. So I believe this is my last one. I'm very happy here. I don't oh, want to move. 
so you're currently working for yourself. Yes, yeah. I'm a solo trader. Yeah. So solo trader, and I have one ABN, mm-hmm. and I have two incomes or mm-hmm. passive incomes. So one is a consultant, sustainable living consultant. Yeah. Uh, as I said, with a small businesses, not for profit. Well, and 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 per profit. Yeah. And then I create my other brand, which is related with my spiritual and holistic well-being. Mm-hmm. And and that is the other brand that I have, which is very, very sustainable. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about that. What so what's what's your other brand? Your the other place? brand is called Luna Earth Magic. So Luna is mean moon in Spanish. And what is what is about is a response of the unsustainable holistic uh, business. So in the last 10 years, herbs that healers or say, for instance, you meditate in and you light an incense and a mm-hmm. candle. The candle is made by petrol. The incense probably have petrol too. So it is a, it is a big gap in in this uh sustain in this sorry holistic and spiritual uh industry because mm. actually the product that many people use and they think they are good for your healing process mm. actually you have no idea the components they are there and also uh, the mass production of mono monocropping of herbs and flowers so I noticed that because I always been in that part of the holistic well-being, and and I said, okay, yeah, someone need to start educating people again and and reconnect with your with our ancestors with the way we they used to do it, and mm. and so so actually the plant and the herbs can have that healing um, help in our process you know yeah. otherwise you you like the incense oh what do you think it doesn't work you know yeah well it doesn't work because look look the ingredient yeah <laughs> have, a, have a read and if you don't know ask mm. you know I did a lot of uh, part of my research the marketing uh, market research was buying product you know use them and then ask the questions and when they couldn't answer to me it was like, well, that's it. That means you don't know. You have no idea where this is coming from. Yeah. You know, you have no idea how this was harvested. If the people, the harvest is being paid properly, are the fair trade or are not, etc. So, yeah. So that's why, that's what Luna Earth Magic is. And then it's a fusion with my both passions. Mm. But also, uh, because it's very slow, it's like... It's, slow movement and then there's a lot of education that you need to get involved so people understand what I'm talking about and then I have the sustainable living which is uh is, is a very in need however not very good pay <laughs> yes <laughs> I can see that yeah fantastic so the reason I invited you here today um, well, it was actually you You came up with this topic because I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I wasn't quite sure how because we've worked together in my day job through Business South and you've run a sustainability um, workshop for us there. And 
I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about something a little bit different but still really cover the topic of sustainability and looking after the environment. Mm-hmm. So you came up with the idea of um, the topic of shame and specifically the shame that we might experience about not doing everything we can to protect the environment. Mm. So can you tell me, tell tell us a little bit more about that? Okay. So remember that I told you I did study during COVID and the data that I got updated, Mm -hmm. it was very, very shocking and very disappointed. And that caused me something that's called eco-anxiety. So eco-anxiety is mean like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm doing my best and it's not good enough. Yeah. And if you apply that in your lifestyle, and then in your own business, it can be very, very overwhelming. Mm. You know, you can get into the rabbit hole and, and say, well, why am I doing this business when, when other businesses are doing terrible, bad things for the planet? Mm. You know, and, and then you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe if they are doing bad, I don't care. I'm going to do a little bit less bad. Yeah. You know, on on the other hand, it's like, well, maybe I can do better, but how do I do better? Having from the from the business point of view, how you make profit and do better? Yes. Okay. So that's the main challenge. And then from the services, is the same. You know, how can I provide a good service if that is gonna cost me? more than what I'm getting back in my revenue at the end of the year so then and then it's like feeling feeling shame at home is because I have done some workshops and what I feel like people get get shy to ask or, or you tell them something like oh that product should go to that rubbish bin and and they didn't know Mm. And they feel like, oh my gosh, I, I I'm not gonna say anything because I've been doing it. Yeah, you know. And that's when I when I think, you know, shame. Yes, it's good to feel it because if you feel it, that means you are thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, if you if you are not aware, you wouldn't feel it. Yeah. So if you feel it, it's good. First, then second. Don't worry about it because this is changing so much. Every single day is changing. So rules are changing, policies are changing, products are changing, ingredients, this and this and that. So if you didn't know or you don't know, do a little bit research and then don't feel shame about it and change it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't get stuck in that feeling of, oh, shit, you know, I haven't done it. Um, I'm I'm super bad person. No, you know, just have a look. What could you change to make that better? And then start working step by step. Also, no, don't overstress yourself because then you can go to the opposite way, which is uh, eco-anxiety. Yeah. You know, and then you start feeling, oh my God, this is all everything a mess. And I can do anything to fix it. So that is a feeling that if you have it, 
you know, it would be good to talk to someone about it and say, how can I make things that are possible for me and for my business? Mm. You know, because you can't do everything. That's the first the first step to, to think about it. This is a mess that we all have caused. We all have part about it. You know, and for some people, they they think oh, I'm very sustainable, but for me, I'm not hundred percent sustainable even at, at all. You know, and other people may believe, ah, oh, they are zero waste. Sorry, but I can't be zero waste. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> you know, and my business is zero waste. No, I do have waste. You know, but how I manage that waste is what's going to make the difference between your business and my business. Wow, you've said some great things there that I want to sort of circle back to. So the first thing that you said, and I actually kind of took a a breath of relief when you said this about how things are constantly changing because I've done that, um, you know, with recycling. We've got... Here where I live in Kingston, we've got the council-provided recycle bins and they give you this book with all of the things that can go in it. And so for ages, you know, we've lived here for I think about 10 years now and I've very diligently put in the things that I thought could be recycled and every year when we get the new book out, I don't read it because I just made the assumption that it was the same. But I found out it was actually recently, as in last month, in a conversation with a friend of mine who also lives here, that something I've been putting in the bin all this time, can't. I don't know if it's a case that it can no longer be recycled mm-hmm. here or if I was wrong in the first place. And mm-hmm. it, But just you saying that, it's like, you know, oh, thank goodness, because mm-hmm. um, I thought, oh, my gosh, how did I miss this? Because I I try really hard to do the right thing like that and it's something I've tried to instill in my kids. And it was great um, when they were both sort of in junior high school as well because they get a lot of education about that and they came home and asked a lot of questions. But, yeah, it's like it really, it really knocked me when I was like, oh, my gosh, all these years I thought I was doing the right thing and <laughs> now I find out it wasn't right. Yeah. So you're right when when you say we try our best, you know, we're trying really hard. And and from from that base is when where the conversation should start mm. from. You know, and regarding to recycling, last year I implemented the first recycling unit in the Huon Valley. So you you could think, oh my God. 2023 Mm. and people have no idea that your batteries little batteries or your toothpaste packaging doesn't go to the recycling bin you know and okay you will say yeah oh shame but no one told you that before no, no one provide you with because the, the toothpaste has the recycling correct and no one told you the uh, option because unfortunately that kind of plastic need to go through a special recycling process mm-hmm. which is not the one the willy bean with the yellow lid can offer to us mm-hmm. you know so there are so many gaps 
and that's when businesses come solo traders could could fill all the gaps like if you're a hairdresser for instance what do you do with all that waste that is cannot go it doesn't go to the um willy bean mm. you know so it's a big movement about hairdressers and how they manage their waste waste mm-hmm. then you have food waste if you have mm. a coffee shop you know or restaurant how do you manage that you know then i remember working in melbourne in um so waitress in a french bakery imagine like fresh you know baguette and in a very uh high high class uh area in in melbourne and and the food at the end of the day it went to the bean Mm. and i couldn't believe it like i couldn't believe it my heart was broken in mill pieces and i used to take that food to give it to my friends Mm. you know it's like this is can't can be waste and that that happens 10 years ago and now we're still having the issue of food waste Mm. so again any every single business every single trade solo trader have something good to do yeah you can do something better for a people planet and prosperity and that's another thing sustainability many people think is just about trees and hippies hugging trees <laughs> yes you know but it's this is a wrong concept because sustainability is all the way you live so it's the way we interact how we treat people it's the way how we look after ourselves our well-being mm-hmm. you know the other people well-being the the soil the air the planet the food is absolutely everything it's the whole system you know it's a big system yeah. that we are interconnected but if you think you are no part of that system that's when you become uh, uh, blind and you want just one thing which is profit mm. you you want that money 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 but you don't care the people is working for you how they feel how they get to home from work back and forth you know you don't care about anything else that make that big big revenue at the end of the year yeah so that was the mentality that has made a lot of damage to businesses in general Mm, that makes that makes a lot of sense um and the next question I was going to ask you I think Maybe it flows on from what you've just said. So are there some common misconceptions about um, sustainable living that we have that contribute to the feeling like that you spoke of earlier of um, I suppose when we get into overwhelm and it's like mm. it's it's yeah. too hard, I can't do anything? Yeah. Uh, look, I can, I can just talk from what I have observed from workshops and talking to people is the the idea idealization yep. idealization yep uh, because you have this called the um, uh, leaders or influencers yes you know that they show on social media they are 
pretty much perfect yes. in any in any in any circumstances you yeah. know pretty uh beauty and then sustainability also you yeah. know the minimalism one, minimalism yeah. you know <laughs> and the one are oh my gosh they they have um 500 glass jar with waste at the end of the year yeah you know so that make you feel shit that make you feel really really bad mm-hmm. you know because you say oh my gosh i have um, my family is a family of four two and or three whatever and and i have rubbish bin with 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 waste uh every week yep so if there are misconceptions about the perfect sustainable living family yeah you know or the perfect sustainable living influencer at the age of 30 years old traveling the world with eco or eco products mm-hmm. you know that is marketing people come on we are in business we know how marketing works yes okay so, thank you for saying yes <laughs> so and and actually it's called green greenwashing yeah which is worse so that you make they make us believe that a product is recyclable and is very good you use it and then you realize that it's not mm. you know and that is is being actually become to um legal process in the US I'm not sure sorry I'm not sure in in Australia but I know that in US become um a legal a legal issue now okay yeah so you you don't do greenwashing you don't tell people that you're doing good when you're not actually or you don't even know what you're doing yeah okay and that's another misconception so that's why we get confused and mm. customer gets get confused mm. uh, the other the other um concept that it get there to many people is that ah oh, but sustainable is too expensive yes okay but on the other hand what the research are showing is that that the customer are willing to pay if you're not greenwashing them yes okay yes so the market is there houses with solar panels the on the off the grid are more uh expensive than sell more quicker than the one that are not for instance mm. so there are customers in there looking for those products for mm. those services and yeah i think that's what basically the three misconceptions of sustainability yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned greenwashing. So I, I was going to ask you, like, are there, so you said there's legal stuff going on in the States about it at the mm-hmm. moment. So do we have any standards or any rules here around that that you know of or is that kind of a work in progress? Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest, because uh, the problem with, uh, I would say, state government and local governments yeah that make a, a big challenge to understand what is good here or, or greenwashing here and what is not somewhere else oh okay yeah so i don't for that to answer that i need to research about state yeah government and then local yeah. and each each state no fair call so Milka, what are some uh, some small manageable steps that people can t- take in their business to reduce their environmental impact? I will say start from your coffee cup. 
Yep, as simple as that, you know, just look to get my coffee cup. It took me uh, three. I bought three first and didn't work. So it took me four uh, purchase mm -hmm. to get to the right one. I'm so glad you said that okay. as well because I had a similar problem and I felt bad. Yes, because each you, time you buy. Yes. Okay, but you got your to your one. Yeah. And that's the one you, you're using now. Yeah. So that's it. Done. Tick on the list. Great. Don't get shame and don't get depressed about it. Keep moving on. Then water bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that you can use it with your team. So, like, for instance, if you, if you have a, a team of three people and then you start using the water bottle, Maybe a good Christmas present for your team is a, you know, aluminium water bottle. Mm -hmm. So they stop buying the plastic one every day. Yeah. So little step like that, they, they don't, uh, the one that they involve much uh, thinking and behavior change. Yeah. You know, those one it can be slowly implemented, but after you got it, you are there. Yeah. And then, well, your waste. Think what sort of waste are you producing? Even if you uh you know, your 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 service is very simple, you're always gonna have some waste in your system. Mm -hmm. And that is the the a good point to start. Say, well. This waste, where is going? Is going to the right place or not? Or well, I have no idea where it's going. Yeah. So I'm going to do a bit of research and say and, and find out where that uh, this waste is going to end. Is ending in landfill or ending in the recycling uh, process or ending in an op shop or ending in a tip shop? Mm -hmm. So when you have your answers, that you start implementing. Okay, and I guess with waste, it's a case of it's almost a two-pronged approach. It's like at the front end, how can you generate less waste? So, for example, going paperless in an office. Mm -hmm. But then it's also but when you've got to the point where you can't decrease mm. that further, then it's the next how one. you deal with that yeah. in the best way. Yeah, but then it's like, well, you are all electronic and where you're power come from mm. it's coming from a sustainable resource or not so then you, you're like always that. going to find another step another step yeah forward yeah it's not perfection no <laughs> I think that's a really important message for me yeah and I believe Hearing, for many people yeah. because it's, it's become you know like mainstream Mm. sustainability and for business you know become sustainable that everybody's using in their mission vision values yeah but without even uh applying them mm. yes and that's because it's that pressure of of be there yeah but but my my advice is okay that is wonderful but be conscious of that mission vision and values are actually real Yes. And not um, hypothetically goals for 100 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
for the so next hundred years. What, what do they say? Make it so make it more practical, something yeah. that you can do today rather than yeah. this lofty ideal in the future. In the that future, you know. You've got to wait for all this stuff to change. To change for that. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. That's fantastic. So what are some ways that we can create a supportive and non-judgmental community or a network, like, for people around us who are trying to um, live more sustainably? Well, it depends. It depends your um, lifestyle, your work, you know, depend where you live, mm -hmm. like rural in city. For instance, I found that living in rural have more, different challenges than living in the city. I'll give you one example. By me living in the city, I used to use public transport. Yes. All the time and walk. Yeah. And living in rural, I don't have public transport. No. So I have to drive everywhere. Yeah. I don't have, and because the, the distance are long distance, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to for a walk for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> shopping, you know? Yeah. No. So that, that for instance, is have a, it's going to have a lot of uh, influences in the, the choices you make and the changes you want to make. Mm -hmm. So you can't, I can't talk in general because each person is going to have their own um, challenges. But what I can say is that thinking in, with empathy does work a lot mm -hmm. in sustainable living. Because my issues are not going to say they are not the same than your issues. Mm -hmm. So when you have a client, first you have that conversation, you know. Yeah. And then from an empathetic point of view, you can become with a possible solution, a proposal, a project, a business idea, um, a new product, a new service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely empathetic uh, approach. I like that. Towards others and ourselves. Yes. <laughs> and that's the lesson for me. Um, so what sort of resources or tools are available to help people like us with small businesses assess and improve environmental impact? Well, one of my favorite ones are they call Canva business model. Uh-huh. So if you search uh is C A B A Canva mm -hmm. and you have Canva Zero Ways or Canva Circular Economy or Canva's sustainable business. You have different kind of models that if you use a business plan. Mm -hmm. um, that would be the one you, sh you could upgrade or update your business plan to. Well, then um, in Tasmania, I, two, two weeks ago, I finished with a educational program which it was for small businesses. So I was, I, I wasn't me it was I was representing one of the my one of my client yeah so they are a uh, taking expression of interest and 
their name is Business Action Learning. Business Action Learning, they are here in Tasmania mm -hmm. and they take uh, the intake once a year, small businesses. And what we do over there is to uh, share challenges in each business. And we use a methodology to become with solutions or possible solutions for each business. Oh, fantastic. So this year we were a business in plastic, mm -hmm. recycling plastic, a business in biochar, a business in ecotourism, and a business in waste and creativity, which is the one I was representing. So that is a, a resource is available in Tasmania for small businesses. And that's just fantastic to know that there are things like that out there. Yes. That there are things like that being developed and being created. So I'll pop links to these things that mm -hmm. you've mentioned in the show notes yep. so our, our um, listeners can find them. Mm -hmm. And the last question I've got for you, so is there a way in which we can shift the conversation around sustainability to help focus on collective responsibility rather than the individual, an individual, you know, this whole guilt thing? Very good because I was listening a a forum two days ago and as, uh, as, as a business women uh, think in our vocabulary of saying customers or target group or target market, you know, which is a part of the vocabulary or a capitalism economy. Yes. Now we could switch to talk about citizen. Ah. Yes. So our citizens in or my citizens that love holistic uh, rituals like meditation and yoga are aware now because my business is filling that gap that the herbs that they use are actually effective because the way they grow harvest process dry before that there were customers just buying product mm -hmm. i don't know if that make a good example but you know is is an example in in a product yeah yeah maybe in a service like were well, you doing a service to our colleagues you know so as a service i would say your citizens after this podcast are more aware and inspired to use sustainability in their business so you're making that switch and that change in their vocabulary and also how you treat them they're not customers anymore they're citizens yes. with responsibilities yes they we can't blame oh she told me yeah no sorry you i told you but you make the decision yeah <laughs> as a citizen yeah i love that thank you for that so milka tell us where can our listeners find out more about you or connect with you and the work that you're doing uh just instagram 
to be oh, and LinkedIn, of course, LinkedIn and Instagram. And, and what's your from December it? because I'm going on that's I'm taking right. holiday. <laughs> so from December, I will be back on the social media. And yeah, I can leave the links for you guys. Fantastic. It's just Milka Perez yes. on Instagram. Yeah. Fantastic. And LinkedIn. Yeah. Great. I'll I'll add those to the show notes and as well. So of all the information that you've given us today, what's the one piece of advice that you'd really like our listeners to take away and either just to think about or to actually take action on in their lives and businesses? First, collaborate. We cannot do it on our own. Mm. Collaborate. Think who are your stakeholders, who are your providers, can you change them? Can you make them better? Collaborate with them. Then don't stress too much <laughs> and have fun. Because actually is is that's another perhaps misconception that this is like boring, you know? Yeah. It's not boring. You can have so much fun being sustainable and using in your own business, you know, reflecting your lifestyle and your business. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.